All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is Friday. I know we're a day late, but it is the Boneheads Podcast, proudly presented to you by, well, I'm Patrick Colucho. Next to me is, um, um, I don't have anything witty for you today. Squirrel, Noah Snyder. Noah? Yeah, you know it. <laughs> all right, folks, um, a lot of politics in this one, and obviously we're going to go over the divisional round like we said we would. Um, so first off, let's start off with Alec Baldwin. If you all remember, the uh, October in October of 2021, he shot and killed a choreographer, a cinematographer, uh, Hel- Helena Hutchins, on the set of the film Rust. Um, he has been charged with manslaughter, um, involuntary manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter. Um, but I mean, this also came weeks, ironically, weeks after he was criticizing. Um, <laughs> gun control, gun control laws. I find it funny that you have no gun control and then criticize them. Um, his fourth degree, um, yeah. That's sorry, reading this as I'm doing this. The prosecutor said armor Hannah Hannah Gutierrez Reed will also be charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. Yeah. So this gets he's kind of a piece of shit. Um, so I just. He told detectives he had been assured the gun he was rehearsing with that day did not contain live ammunition. Sat down before an extensive television interview, saw indemnification from financial liability in the case, and then sued crew members on the film, claiming that they were responsible for hand- handing him a loaded gun. Huh. So... He assumes no responsibility for any of this, pretty much, is what I can... um, Yeah, listen, I mean, Alec Baldwin is no no stranger to uh, incidences. This is by far the worst one, uh, because unfortunately a young woman was killed. Um, But Alec Baldwin's been known for getting into fights with... Uh, news reporters, you know, all sorts of stuff. So he's got a long track record of lashing out at people. And uh, yeah, he's not a very nice guy. So yeah, yeah, that's um hell of an actor, just not a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens though when you comment on one thing and know nothing about the subject. Well, the, well yeah, and, and see, the, that's that's the problem with some of these Hollywood elites. You know, they're they're all about screwing everyone else over getting involved in stuff they have no business being in and then when they need the rules for themselves that's when they're like well well now wait a second you just took a stand against the very thing that you want to have help you now so I don't know I think they're conveniently choose to be on one side and then when they need to switch it around for a little bit they'll switch it around I mean yeah you when you um when you make that much money, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which is bullshit. It's just bullshit. <laughs> oh, it's irritating. Beyond irritating. Uh, um, so, I have a surprise article for you I'm going to throw in here. A U.S. judge orders Boeing be arraigned on the uh, max fraud charge. Whoa. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, um, families were killed in two crashes in uh, 2021 by uh, Boeing 737 MAX, which, if those of you don't know, the, th- the Boeing 737 is the 
flagship plane of Southwest Airlines and a bunch of other airline companies because it's, you know, it's a reasonably affordable plane. It has good size seats. It does what it needs to do. It's very economical. Anyone who's flown has probably flown in one at some point. Um, 737 is also one of the longest going uh, airline models. Wow. Just to add to what Collegio is saying, um, Boeing charged with 737 Max Broad conspiracy and agrees to pay over $2.5 billion. Yep. Um, the crashes in 18 and 19 in Indonesia and Ethiopia, which cost Boeing more than $20 billion. Yes. So the tragic crashes of Lion Air Flight 610 and Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 exposed fraudulent and deceptive conduct by employees of one of the world's leading commercial airplane manufacturers, said Act- Acting Assistant Attorney General David B. P. Burns of the Justice Department Criminal Division. Boeing's employees chose a path of profit over Condor by concealing candor by concealing material information from the FAA concerning the operation of its 737 MAX airplane and engaging in an effort to cover up their deception. This resolution holds Boeing accountable for its employees' criminal misconduct, addresses the financial impact of Boeing's airline customers, and hopefully provides some more measure of compensation to the crash victims, families, and beneficiaries. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, wow. That's... Been a lot of shit going on with these airlines lately, huh? Yeah, how about that? Uh, there was a plane crash the other day in Nepal. It was like the first crash in the country in 32 years. Um, yeah, what the hell's going on with aircraft, eh? People get lazy. Yeah, complacency. You know what? The one thing we did take away from the military, right? Complacency. Complacency kills more people than anything else, so the more complacent you get and and the same can be said for my industry too. Now, you know, that, that one time that you just don't check the equipment before you use it is a difference between coming home and not. So yeah, no, for sure. Complacency kills. Um, that's kind of crazy that, um, they just covered it up, you know, it's wow. I, I mean, I guess I get that. Um, I guess I get like eh, it's an aircraft, you know, it, it it crashes, they crash all the time, you know, whatever, blah 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 blah. But this is, um, yeah, that's a that's a no go. <laughs> Multiple right. crashing. Um, in other news, the world uh, CIA director William Burns recently traveled in secret. Ukraine's capital to meet President uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, a U.S. official told Reuters on Thursday. Um, Director Burns, those of you who don't know, um, we're close allies with Ukraine because we want a presence area of the country because, well, we can't stop slap playing slapdick with <laughs> Russia. Um, as was um, an in basically to give Zelensky a, hey, this is what we expect Russia to do. We were spot on with our guests last time. This is what we're going to get this time. So this is what we're expecting. Just be ready to have this happen because they're expecting uh, Ukraine to, uh, Ukraine, Russia to try and fight back heavier because it's, I don't know if you guys know what the weather's like. Well, it's cold. And it snows a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, yeah, no, what do you think about this? Hey, Zelensky, 
Um, well, I'd be lying to you if I didn't view it with caution. Um, <clears throat> anytime that the CIA meets with anybody, it's usually never for the thing that you think it's for. Right. Um, I don't know. Um, I would have, if, if I was a guessing man, I'd have to assume that um, there's a lot more to this than just a simple meeting between two people. Um, there has to be some sort of plan behind this. Um, but, I mean, it is the CIA. Yeah. Yeah, they're spies. I think Covert is the name of their game. So the fact that they're letting us know about it scares me. Right, that's why that's what I'm saying. It's usually for the opposite of what you think it's for. Well, I read this the other day that um that, that we are starting for the war in Ukraine. We are tapping into our um, caches in Israel. Oh, yeah. How about that? We're tapping into our ammo usage in Israel for a conflict we're not even in. That's that's good. Oh yeah, that's that's great, especially when the Great War kicks off again. <laughs> These bum ass politicians, man. Um, for real. All right, folks. So those of you who don't know, uh, next next bit here. Thirty customers um, had their personal data stolen, and in November, uh, T-Mobile has said that um, a hacker stole, obviously, personal data on thirty-seven million customers, like we were just said. Um, and this is insane. Um, they don't know who the hackers are yet. No idea. Um, insane. <laughs> you're a you're a phone company. I don't think we've had a large scale attack like this on a U.S. phone company ever. No, I I don't think so either. Um, yeah, this is just something special. Um, start reading through things here. Um, also, Google's laying off twelve thousand employees. Huh. Yep, as of Friday, they announced it's going to cut. They're going to cut about twelve thousand jobs, joining other tech giants who are downsizing staff by the thousands. A, because the people they voted for make gas prices too fucking expensive. I think. I think also too, um, COVID kind of showed that a lot of stuff can be done by more than one person. Yep. So. I think a lot of that plays into it too. Yeah. Um, One guy, Pichai, said that layoffs reflect the result of a rigorous review of Google's operations. The jobs being eliminated will be cut across across Alphabet, whatever that means, product areas, functions, levels, and regions. He said. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it's really a big deal, but. Definitely something to watch. Um, <clears throat> I also see here Google CEO and parent company Alphabet said in an email sent to the company staff Friday that the firm will begin making layoffs in the U.S. immediately. In other countries, the process, quote unquote, will take longer due to local laws and practices, he said. 
Um, CNBC reported in November that Google employees had been fearing layoffs as its counterparts made as its counterparts made cuts as, and as employees saw changes to the company's performance ratings. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the other thing that can be said too is, you know, customer service isn't what it used to be either. No, it's not. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of getting fed up with that. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people are taking that a little bit because COVID kind of, it kind of seemed like it all happened during COVID. It, yeah. Like people, people used to be customer service oriented. I don't necessarily always agree with this, the stereotypical the customer is always right. However, um, I'm calling you because I have an issue and you want to argue with me on what I'm calling about. And it just seems like the, the, the level of care just isn't there sometimes. Yeah. And this is, um, yeah, and this is a part of a bigger thing with, I think, like you said, COVID showing these companies that jobs don't have to be done by certain people, other backgrounds can do it. And also half these jobs can be done at home. Yeah, no, I, a lot of a lot of this stuff can be done at home. Uh, um, two thousand, two, I mean, two hundred thousand tech jobs have been cut in the last year. Right, and a, a lot of it, I feel like it's because of condensing. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, <coughs> wow, uh, condensing, and then a lot of it has to do with, uh, like I said, customer service ratings are down across the board in almost every company right now. Yep. Um, just because of, I don't, I don't know really what it is. I can't really <laughs> focus it on one specific thing. I think a lot of it has to do with people just feel entitled. I'm not really sure. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Um, Um, also, for those of you who don't know, uh, Romania extends the detention of Andrew Tate and his brother over drug over allegations of rape and trafficking. Um, so there is a conspiracy out about this, and I'm going to bring this to your attention. I want to hear you hear about this. There is a uh, a former guy who was higher up in the somewhere in the government who said that he saw a thing back in 2021 or whatever saying that uh, Andrew Tate's going to get arrested sometime at the end of December, early January. They're afraid of him. Well, one of the main reasons why people are so afraid of him, <coughs> excuse me, is that um, it's that strong masculin- masculinity. Um, you know, I don't always agree with how Andrew Tate says it or necessarily his approach to things, but the one thing I do like about the guy is that he brings to light the real things that men face in life and brings to life some of the women out here now and without getting involved in it too much because I don't want to piss people off or or say the wrong thing, but um, a lot of women now expect a man 
to do everything. I mean, when I hear women say, well, I, I can't be with a guy that makes less than 100000 a year, well, you better keep looking. Because a, a man in today's day and age cannot make $100,000 a year and be in, involved in the home as much as you want him to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, no man is going to be able to make $100,000 in a blue-collar job and be home every night. Yep. This is not going to work. So, um, a lot of women live in a fantasy land. Not all of them, but there's 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 quite a few. And I think he's a threat because he tells you not to trust your government. He tells you to be you know, hungry to, to not always put your eggs all in one basket to use the stock market. You know, don't trust your government. Your government's not always looking out for your best interests. So yeah, he's a threat. He's a big threat. You know, it could be true. You never know. I mean, a lot of people in the last 10 years, we all thought we're good people. And next thing you know, we find out that they're secretly, you know, having inappropriate relationships with kids and stuff. And I mean, it's definitely a thing that's been brought more to light Yeah, over the last several years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, anything's possible. I would, I, I would hope not. You know, he, he always talks about how he's a man and everything else like that. And if that's true, then he's not really a man then. Right. So. Then it makes us look bad in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, it would. It would, I mean, it would kind of, at that point, the feminist side of the aisle would have a huge upside to that, a huge advantage to that, I guess. Yeah. If that were true, which, and again, I hope it's not. But I hope it's not either. Um, so, folks, on to the meat of the episode today. Um, we're gonna meat and potatoes. Minutes in politics. We just we bounced through it too quick, folks, and this we talked about for a bit. So we're going to go with the first game up on Saturday, tomorrow. Um we're going to cover the 9-8 and eight Jags with a Cinderella-type win coming back down 20 points to beat the Chargers 31-30. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who are here again, thanks to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Um, Noah, uh, keys for this one um, and your winner. Oh, man. So, this is, this is, this is tough. Um. I'm going to start right off the bat with the Niners. They might be shaky. Niner, Jag, uh, Chiefs, Jaguars. Or, sorry, wow, geez. The Chiefs may be shaky throughout the year, um, but there's one time of the year that they always show up, and they're always solid, and that's the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so I think the keys for, for the 40 are, oh, my God, why do I want to keep talking about the 49ers? Because you're excited. The keys for yeah, right. The keys for Kansas City are gonna be to pretty much get the ball rolling first to to get started right off the bat. Um, you know they're gonna need to drive down the field, score a touchdown, kind of get the Jaguars uncomfortable a little bit, um, get them off their game. Um, Mahomes is definitely gonna have to be stout in this game. Um, Jaguars off, uh, defense as of late has been playing pretty steadily. Um, they're a very good pass defense. Um, I, 
I think Patrick Mahomes is going to rely a lot on Old Faithful, and that's Travis Kelsey. Um, he is almost near perfect in the playoffs, Travis Kelsey. Um, so I think that's going to be huge. However, on the other side, um, I think the Jaguars need to show out. They need to they need to stop the Chiefs from being able to convert on third downs because that is the one thing that the Chiefs are amazing at is converting on third downs and also converting in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, they're extremely good at scoring in the red zone. So I think if the Jags want a chance at this, they need to shut that down. They need to shut the third down conversions down, and they need to shut the red zone down. You can give up the big plays because, again, Travis Kelsey, is he's extremely hard to cover. Yeah, he's really smart. Yeah, really but like you. if you can shut him down, and it's been proven before, when you stop the 40 or for Pete's sake, when you stop the Chiefs from converting on third downs and you stop them in the red zone, it's very hard for them to continue driving. Um, one thing I would say, though, as a side of caution for the Jags is watch that team when they come out in the second half. Because if you're leading, the second half is when the Chiefs kind of they go to a different level. Yeah. Um, oh, man, this one's hard to call. Um, oof. I'm going to go with the Jags on this, and this is why. I think the Jaguars have something to prove. Everyone doubted them this year, and they they proved themselves every single time so far. But I don't think it's going to be my much. I'm, I'm giving Jags – 24, Chiefs 23. It's going to be a bad point. Yeah, I think – It's going to be a super close game. Yeah, I don't think this game's a blowout. I think uh, I think J- Jacksonville had a wake-up call last week. So, um, I think it's almost – I think – I even think it might even go into OT. Could be. I could, uh, see, I could see that. This is also Patty Mahomes at home in the playoffs, so <laughs> – And Trevor Lawrence – to this point, is unbeaten on Saturdays, too. That he's 2-0 the, in the NFL the reason why on Saturday he's, games. He's also 36-0 all-time on Saturdays. All-time, yeah. Kids yep. a stud, folks. Kids, Kids a stud. stud. He shows up for Saturday football. I mean, yeah. he shows up for football in general, but Saturdays he's undefeated. Listen, since Doug Peterson got down there, man, it's been a it's been a crazy ride. Um. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that, I mean, like I said, this team has showed up uh, you know, I was every talking- time – I was uh, talking to my dad the other day. He's like, you know, you're starting to see that uh, that Peyton Manning comparison for Trevor mm-hmm. playing like this. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Especially in the playoffs. The playoffs. Yeah. And I think that's what – I mean, I think it's important for a quarterback to be consistent on a regular basis. Yeah. But I think where quarterbacks – the difference maker with quarterbacks is always the playoffs. Yeah. Like, look at Joe. How does the quarterback react to things in the playoffs? Yeah, look at Joe Flacco. He was garbage. He could be okay all season. And the second the playoffs came around, like, right, that's why he's so good. Because he's so good. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. You know, it's same with, I mean. Same thing with Phillip Rivers. Yes. Phillip Rivers was a huge example of that. Every time the playoffs. He'd always the show up with the rest of his team. Work. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
So, you know, there's always one of those teams. I mean, that could be – we never know. could be the Herbert curse. Right. Um, all right, you want to take this next one away here? Yeah. So, we have the, the team. <laughs> Giants-Eagles. The Giants and the Eagles. Now, I know that Coluccio <laughs> really, really wants this one. So, Giants Eagles, it's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be the main event of the evening uh, at 8.15. <clears throat> the Giants and the Eagles. Eagles come into this at 14 and 3 and the Giants come in at 10 and 7. Um Yeah, listen, this is this is the game right here. I mean, to me, you have the the big powerhouse of the NFC taking on or yeah, the big powerhouse of the NFC. And then you have and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you got the little guy you know, this is David versus Goliath, I think, matchup here. Oh, yeah. And there's a couple of things. So I'm going to start with the Giants because the Giants, to me, are my second team. Um, and it's only because of Pat. But um, they got to come out and strike early. Strike early, be consistent, rely on – the weapons that they have. I think you rely on the run game. And and again, this it's the formula for every successful team, especially in the playoffs. The run always sets up the pass. The Giants don't have yet. And again, I'm not discrediting the wide receivers that they do have. But the Giants don't have those like five-star recruit wide receivers. They have a lot of underrated wide receivers. I think they're great wide receivers. But you guys have Saquon Barkley. I think you rely on him on the run game, and then that will set up the pass. The Eagles are going to be looking to disrupt that which is why I'm saying if they're going to be focusing on the run game because they are going to – I have a strong feeling that the Eagles are going to discredit the wide receivers in this game. That's when you need to strike with them the most. Um, I think the Eagles are going to focus on disrupting the run and striking early and as often as possible because I think the one thing that's been proven – this late this late in the season is that when when the Giants still have a chance, they will come back and they will try to win the game. And they have. Um and I think that was proven during the during the Vikings game. Um so yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the G Men. This is the first time this year that I'm solely taking them um i think they have a lot more to prove than jaguars and not because i think they're worse but i i i think 
Brian Dayball wants to set, make a point. Um, and you know, he's, he's kind of like your guys' unseen X factor. Yeah. Um, he brings a lot of energy to this team energy that I think needed in a game like this. Yeah. High intensity, high energy. So, yeah, he takes risks. That's Yeah. You have to. It's the playoffs. Daniel Jones has to play another great game of football, which I mean, this Yes. Is, plays better on the road anyways. So, yes. This could statistically be... they are better on the road. Yeah. Better. Which is crazy because that's I mean, that's usually not how it goes, but 2012. Yes. <laughs> Listen, oh. I I don't have a problem with the Giants. I really oh, don't. I... I don't have a problem with the Eagles, but I just think I think the Giants have something. The Eagles have been expected to be at this point. Nobody expected the Giants to be here. No, they didn't expect very that. few. So, no. Um. So I'm going to switch up the Sunday slate because there's a game that should be a prime time game that isn't. Um. I'm going to start you all off with a 6.30 game on Fox, and it is the boys marching into Santa Clara, California, playing the San Francisco Snyder. What, what are they again? The San Francisco 49ers. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Dak Prescott played the best game of his season last week, and Brock Purdy shows again why he's that dude and why Mr. Irrelevant is very relevant, and that is just a title, not a, not a given. Um, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to start everyone off here by saying that if Dallas plays the way they did Monday, and as long as they make their PATs, this should be a really good game. But if Dallas plays like they are known to in the playoffs, the Niners come in at home and they just do their thing. And Brock Purdy is the, I don't think it's a question mark. I think it's, uh, I think it's the O-line for San Francisco. I don't think it's Brock. I think it's the O-line. So I think Niners win this one close and I'm going to chalk this one up to you, my friend. Um. Yeah, I think you said everything that needed to be said about San Francisco. I mean, they the the defense goes without you. You don't even have to say anything about their defense. Um. So I'm going to talk about the Cowboys. Um. I'm, I'm and I can't help it. You know, I got to give them credit. They really showed out uh, last week. Um. I think they shot a lot. I think they shut a lot of haters up. A lot. Um, but it just, it's just, it, it's the inconsistency from Dak Prescott and this happens a lot. Um, if we, if we take a trip back in time to last year, they were in the same position. They had the 49ers Cowboys. And the one thing that happened in that game is Dallas became inconsistent. Um, 49ers brought the pressure, forced Dak Prescott to make quick decision, quick decision throws that led to interceptions. When you when you talk about interceptions in in the playoffs, those account for almost two and a half points in a, per interception. That's a lot. Yeah. So my only problem with just totally taking the Cowboys is the fact that Dak Prescott, when pressured, tends to make 
risky throws or inaccurate throws that lead to interceptions. Yeah, no, you're not wrong there. And I, I just, I have a hard time totally setting that. Um, a lot of people could make the argument, well, you know, Brock Purdy's not um, tested either. That's true, but he even showed last week too for the 49ers that it doesn't matter how big the spotlight is, that he's got no problem showing up and, you know, just proving everybody wrong, which is which is great. That's great for a young quarterback. That gives him a lot of confidence going into this game. Um, I think the reason that it doesn't work for the <coughs> Cowboys <coughs> – is that Dak Prescott's a veteran. He's expected to perform. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a different level of expectation with Dak Prescott versus Brock Purdy. Yeah. So, no, it's going to be interesting. I'm taking the 49ers. Um, I just think that you stick to the same thing that works, and that's pressuring Dak Prescott and that's shutting down Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> yeah, you got to stop Tony Pollard, though. That's the problem. Yes, Tony Pollard is somebody that you're going to have to contend with, and he's very hard to stop. But <clears throat> I think you leave it to Dak Prescott. When you put it in his hands and you put that pressure on him, that's when mistakes are going to be made. <laughs> <coughs> Lord. You're getting that cold, buddy? Dying, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to take this one away for you here. All right, the last game – not the last game, but the three o'clock game on Sunday, which should be the last game of the night of the weekend, should be the highlighter, is the continuance slash um, rematch of Bills Bengals. If those of you don't remember, a couple of weeks ago we had the scary, um, the scary tackle uh, with Demar Hamlin uh, went down, collapsed, and CPR done on him. And for once, we saw people praying on TV openly on ESPN we saw we heard like we heard Joe Buck and Troy Aikman speechless they've been doing this for over 20 years together yeah um this game might as well be the Super Bowl to both these franchises this is we should have beat you no we would have beat you it don't matter type of game this is the, the two most respectable sport, uh fan bases in football Cincinnati and Buffalo um that being said it's Joe Burrow Josh Allen it's Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs. It's that fantastic Cincinnati defense, which is blowing everyone's expectations out of the water this year and last year. And the Buffalo defense, who is Buffalo's defense? They're always primed for something. Um, this game right here is going to come down to Buffalo's play calling and the meaner ones. We all know Joe Burrow and the band are ready for this. The, the guys step up when they need to on that team. That's a very clutch team in Cincinnati there. Um, but Buffalo can't afford the same mishaps last week. They cannot afford awful play calling, some laziness, whatever whatever last week was, forget it. They need this wake-up call. Hopefully they come out and play better football. Um, that being said, I take Buffalo because I think it's their year. <laughs> um, yeah. With Demar and all that, that this is their year. Um, so I'm taking I'm, this one's edged out at the end. This is probably Tyler Bass wins this one for the Bills. No, I have to agree. I think, 
I think one quick thing that wasn't really said uh, was, you know, both teams didn't really play with uh, their potential last week. Um, certainly the, the Bills didn't, uh, but the Bengals didn't either. Joe Burrow didn't really look like Joe Burrow has in the past. Um, so I think both teams kind of have something to prove this game, which is going to make for a very good game. Yeah. Um, but this is huge for both teams. Um, the Bengals are looking to try to go back to the Super Bowl to, to prove that they can win a Super Bowl. And the Bills are looking to, for the first time in team history, win a Super Bowl. Um, the only franchise to go to four straight and not win a single one. So there's a lot on the line for both teams, I think. And um, listen, you got two iced out quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, the guys are ice. There's no, they got ice in their veins, both of them. Um, you can draw line comparisons. You got Burrow Chase, uh, Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, because they, uh, they're leading in the duo category right now with most touchdowns for 10 plus yards, which is 18. Um, and Joe Burrow and Chase have 17. Um, so, yeah, you're looking at the top two duos in the NFL playing on Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right, though. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. And I also think it's going to come down to whoever got the ball with two minutes. Yeah. That's – it's going to be another one of those games. I know we've said that a lot this year, but that's really what this kind of year has been. Yeah. This kind of year has been who has the ball when you need it. And – I think either team is going to need it in the last two minutes. Yeah. Because I think if you leave it to a field goal and you leave time on the clock, watch out. Because both of these quarterbacks can drive down the field with minimal time. Both of them have that Brady-esque ability ability of being able to make something out of nothing. So – yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a game. Yeah, I'll uh, definitely have less hair than when I went into it. I'll tell you yeah, that. Yeah, I, I I don't have any hair, so I'll just have the same amount of hair probably. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, you will. Yep. Um. So, folks, that is all for tonight's episode. Um, oh, dude, uh, we got no, oh. we got John Jones. Oh, right, I forgot about John Jones, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who don't know, undefeated light heavyweight and heavyweight champion, probably the baddest man on the earth. Okay, well, it's says, pretty, John, yeah. John Jones is back in the UFC. John Bones Six Jones. Eight deal, eight fight deal, thirty million. Um, yeah. So right now, I believe the contract isn't totally set in stone. Um, he did release his team did release saying that he was asking for thirty million per fight. Um. Yeah, I mean, the guy, I, I almost think the guy can ask for that at this point. For real. Um, but, yeah, no, he's, what, I, there's not much to say about the guy. The guy's a freaking animal. Yeah, he's um, Yeah. I, I really think that the um 
I really think the guy has no issue um, asking for that kind of money. Um, he does already have a fight scheduled for March 4th, mm-hmm. um, UFC 285 heavyweight main event. Um, the winner of that fight is going to get a shot at the title. And I think, I mean, John Jones is going to come out and do what John Jones does. Especially when he comes back from hiatuses. When he comes back from when he's time that he's had off, it's like the guy goes to a whole different world. Well, he did say this is the healthiest he's come. And then that's scary. That is scary. Because the man's a stud. The man's a freaking agent. Listen, the man, when someone comes out and says they don't think they were designed to lose. lose. He thinks. He doesn't know what losing is. The man literally said that he believes that God has made him to be the person that does not lose a fight. Whenever somebody has that kind of confidence and comes out and just says that, what? Well, I, <laughs> I don't think the guy's gonna lose. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, huge, huge news for the UFC. Oh, world, yeah. definitely stud like that. Yeah. That's- <clears throat> um, <laughs> so. John Jones and Cyril Gagne, right? Yes. Yep. Since Francis Naganu is gone, he's been released. Do we know why yet? Um, because he's he he came out and said it's because he was asking for you know for recognized as a human and fighter insurance and so on and so forth. Um, I believe he's ruffled some feathers in the UFC. Yeah. <coughs> so, probably, but um, I believe that is one of the reasons why he. Uh, is no longer a part of the UFC. It's upsetting. Man's just trying to look out for himself. Yep. Hey, you're white doing it again. <laughs> over the years, it's definitely been brought to the attention of the UFC that there needs to be a better uh, <coughs> just medical coverage in general yeah. for fighters. Uh, so to see that happen to somebody over that, I mean, you're kind of making it self-explanatory, I think. Right, exactly. What, where are your stances, I guess? Yes, sir. Well, but, folks. Uh, yeah, that is it now, officially. <laughs> Sorry, that is all we got, folks. <laughs> um, from the ever-wonderful Noah Snyder. As always. I am Patrick Coluccio, and this has been the Boneheads Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week. Peace.